Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It is always great to be with you as we bring you another show here. And I want to welcome on and say hello to Jenny Carlson. She is a columnist at the Oklahoman, doing great work there every single day. You've got an outstanding matchup, of course, this weekend, Oklahoma State, Texas. But we're also going to talk about the Big 12 in general, uh, who she thinks the worst team is and where this whole thing goes from there. So it is a great time to be talking Big 12 football as we get set for Week 8. Jenny, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being here on the show. Let's start off with this. Uh, Oklahoma State coming off that loss to TCU. Spencer Sanders, uh, Mike Gundy's been very coy about what is going on with that shoulder, if anything. How has that played out this week in Stillwater? Yeah, pretty uh, pretty low-key on uh, what is happening with Spencer Sanders. Uh, Mike Gundy saying on Monday that he wasn't going to talk about injuries and that he'd, he'd, he'd made a mistake in talking to uh, the sideline reporter about uh, Spencer and what he'd been through in the days leading up to that game last week. He, he said, I won't do that again, basically. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's generally over the years been fairly mom about uh, quarterback injuries especially. Um, you know, he's had varying uh, degrees of how, uh, how much he shares about other, other guys and what they might be going through. But uh, in, in quarterback instances, he's usually been pretty quiet. So my, my guess and what we've sort of been able to gather is that uh, Spencer Sanders does have some sort of shoulder soreness, what that's from and how severe it is. Um, I, I'm not sure we're going to know in, in the, the short term, but um, he did come into – uh, post game after they beat Texas Tech two weeks ago with ice on his shoulder, and you know that happens a lot. You see guys coming into post game with ice on all sorts of body parts, and the fact that he was there uh, in the first place for interviews sort of didn't raise any alarms. It just seemed like it was preventative, but it might have been something more. Um, and you know, I think he was limited in practice last week. Now, how limited he's been this week, I'm not sure. Um, you know, quarterbacks don't get a ton of they don't get a ton of contact anyway anymore in practice. They're pretty pretty off limits to contact. So I don't know if it's a situation where he could do some things and, and not, you know, be in live drills to just really avoid any possibility of something bad happening or if he's actually having to been more uh, limited. It didn't seem like he was um, super hampered uh, in that game at TCU. Now he wasn't as good as he has been uh, most of the season, but – uh, TCU probably had a little bit to do with that too. So I don't, I, I haven't gotten any sense like he's going to be unavailable for the game against Texas this week, but uh, obviously it looks like he is dealing with something that, you know, is probably going to be an ongoing issue as the season goes on. Yeah, it, it does certainly seem that way. Now, when you look at this team and, you know, I, I know they're coming off a loss, but they've got Texas on Saturday. That'll go a big way into determining uh, who plays in a Big 12 championship game. Where's the biggest weakness uh, for the Cowboys right now? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I think going into last week, um, the answer to that probably would have been uh, the defensive secondary, in large part because they have a largely inexperienced group this season that has gotten better as the weeks have progressed, which has actually been a really positive sign, you know, when you have a younger inexperienced group to see them continually making strides, whether they're short strides or long strides, you know, I think that's been a positive. 
But last week, the, I, and I don't know if this is going to be something that is more long-term, but the run game really was kind of cut off at the knees, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the second half by TCU. I think TCU's got a good defense, so I don't necessarily know that it, it's a, a total um, shock that they'd be able to do, to do some damage in that way. But we've seen some other teams take some steps to really try to limit what Oklahoma State has done in the run game and then force them to go to the air. And obviously until last week they had been able to produce even as teams had really packed in defenders towards the line of scrimmage. But that's something that they're going to have to figure out a way to get, get, some, get some yards out of the run game. Um, Dominique Richardson's a physical runner. Um, Ollie Gordon, a, a fairly physical runner, although he is a true freshman. They've got some guys that seem capable, but they're going to have to get a little more push and, um, you know, some holes opened up by that offensive line, which, you know, by all accounts is better this year than it has been. They did lose their center, Preston Wilson, a couple games ago. He did not play last week at TCU and, and had a limited amount of snaps against Texas Tech. So if they get him back, maybe that fixes some things. Maybe that is kind of the key in the lock for them. But I think that run game has got to be better. Um, they've got to figure out something to, to get some yards, not just, you know, one or two at a time. They've got to start getting some times when they get five, six, seven out there. You know, Mike Gundy's not a guy uh, to play the what-if game, at least not publicly. But do you get the sense that between him and Casey Dunn, there is some uh, – reflection on uh, play calling after you go up 27, 24 to 7, and it seems like things got very conservative. I imagine that's been a uh, certainly a topic of conversation amongst fans and media last week. How much has that appeared to play out internally within the program the last few days? Yeah, that I mean, it's hard to say because we haven't had as much access, um, you know, as we – I'm sure we'll maybe see some results of that um, on Saturday. You know, what do they do? Um, what is the game plan? And if they do – build a lead? Are they able to do it, you know, to, to add to it a little differently? I think Mike Gundy has always been known for being a little bit more conservative uh, when it comes to offense, which is interesting because he was an offensive coordinator when he, you know, got uh, went from offensive coordinator to head coach at Oklahoma State, and he was, you know, known for wanting to throw it around and, and uh, you know, really kind of move it up and down the field. And uh, I don't think he necessarily is against that with the offense, but I think he definitely, once the offense has put up some points, I think his inclination has been to, you know, not throw it, uh, not, you know, put yourself into a position where you could, um, you know, be intercepted or turn over the ball. But pretty clearly that hurt them, and they really couldn't get kicked back into gear when they needed to late in that game. And uh, you could sort of sense that momentum sort of just dripping away from them last week as that second half went on and TCU able to move it obviously with those super talented receivers Max Duggan has been great Uh, so you know they needed to be able to answer that and when they got into that mode of needing to come up with something big they really were at a were at a a deficit there so I think that is something that they're going to have to look at you know that's I, I, I think Spencer Sanders plays better and I think that offense is much better when they are you know sort of building on something um he's he's just shown that over his career he kind of can get into a groove and you know get get going and that offense will respond in kind so I think if they can figure out a way to uh you know keep him and that offense clicking on a little higher cylinder if they do build a lead which against Texas I have to think 
And I don't know why you wouldn't do it against TCU, but against Texas, I got to think, you know, the, the thought would be, hey, they could they could come back and, and uh, you know, do the same sort of thing. So you got to get going against these mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. Jenny Carlson, columnist at the Oklahoma and joining us here on the show. Jenny, uh, the Sooners finally get that first Big 12 win uh, of the season. Didn't think we'd be sitting here in week, uh, geez, going into week eight saying that, but uh, they got a bye week now. How much, I mean, you've got the pulse of the fan down there, so how crazy would this week have been had they lost to Kansas, and what does it mean that they got the win? Do we overstate it, understate it? How should we view it? Well, I mean, I think any win after losing three in a row and getting blown out in the the second uh, or the last two of those three, I mean, I think that's you got to see that as a positive if you're an Oklahoma fan, and I think they generally do. I think the Sooners themselves see that see it that way. I mean, that's a much better Kansas team, and you know they scored 42 points for crying out loud. So they obviously have the ability to uh, to do some damage. Uh, so I think Oklahoma did feel good to finally get that win, realizing at the same time that was not a perfect performance by any stretch of the imagination. I think the defense giving up 42 points is where you start with that. But, you know, offensively they have three turnovers. They were all Dylan Gabriel's turnovers, which um, was uncharacteristic for him. What we'd seen out of him before he got hurt at TCU wasn't, wasn't you know, turnover prone, wasn't throwing interceptions, wasn't fumbling the ball, but had two fumbles. The second of which, I'm not sure what happened. He might have gotten hit by his running back uh, to drop the ball, but the interception was not good. Uh, the first one was a, a botched play that you know ended up bad, uh, badly, the, the first fumble that was lost. But still, you know, things that were not great overall and yet still able to score 52 points, still able to win by double digits, still able to you know, get, get that win. I, that, that was the, the, the paramount thing for the Sooners. But obviously, I think looking at the rest of the schedule, you know, Iowa State is who they play coming out of their bye week. Iowa State's had some trouble scoring, although they scored against Texas, so who knows. But they've had some trouble scoring, so that looks like a game if Oklahoma can keep up offensively what they did against Kansas. You would think they've got a good chance to win that one. I know Iowa, uh, Iowa State's a much better defensive team than almost anybody in this league right now. They're really, really good defensively. So, um, you know, that's going to be a challenge. But if Oklahoma can win that and, you know, get get to five and feel like bull eligibility is out there, I still think there's some losses probable on the schedule for the Sooners just because of their defense. I think they're going to face some, st- some stiff tests uh, defensively. They're going to limit their offense. And I just their defense is just still – you know, such a work in progress. I mean, I just think it's safe to assume they're going to give up points. So I have to think there's going to be some more losses out there. Um, but it's it's definitely not been the uh, first year for Brent Venables that a lot of people thought it would be. The defense you note there, is that because Venables doesn't have the guys that fit his scheme or is it, you know, guys not understanding his scheme, moving over from the Alex Grinch system? Is it both or is it something completely different? I think it is a combination of all that. You know, they do have guys who were recruited for a different style of defense, um, a more, uh, you know, the Grinch defense was called speedy, and you can argue how speedy they were or yeah. they weren't, but that was, that was how they were recruited was to play in that system. And Venables, coming from Clemson, coming from, a, you know, a program that was contending with the SEC on a regular basis, they want to be more power. 
you know, he, he talks about multiple, but really it comes down to being a powerful defense, being a defense that has defensive linemen that, you know, can bull rush their way into the backfield and linebackers who are big and powerful and strong. You know, power is really at the, at the forefront of what he wants to do defensively. So I think that there was at least some level of understanding that it would take a little while to get the right personnel for what he wants to do. But I do think there is probably some measure of figuring out the system by the guys that are here. And we've seen them struggle. We've seen veterans struggle. We've seen uh, guys that, you know, played fairly well over the last couple of years struggle. So I think there is a combination of he's going to have to get guys that fit better what he wants to do. But there's also, I, I think the guys that are here are having a little bit of a tough time adjusting to what they want to do on a regular basis. Jenny, you look at the Big 12. I mean, this this league is uh, just incredible in terms of the depth top to bottom. And it's it's not meant to be mm-hmm. a trick question, but like, who's the worst team in the Big 12 right now? You, you I feel like there's a lot <laughs> of ways to answer it. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is a good question, you know. and. I think until until I saw with my own eyes how much of a difference Dylan Gabriel made, I knew, I mean, there was some suspicion of what his return would mean for the offense, but still to see how dramatic a difference that made for OU, you know, OU's, their body of work was not exactly standing up. No. You know, we, we saw, you know, we saw them run through their non-conference, but I think we've now all come to understand how bad Nebraska is, just not a good team at all. And, you know, you look at a team like West Virginia who lost that game to Pitt, but that's almost a better, I think, show of what West Virginia could do as opposed to what OU could do. So the fact that OU didn't really have much in its non-conference to show and obviously hadn't won and, frankly, had two blowouts, which are rare this year. Um, I think there's 11 of 17 Big 12 games to this point that have been decided by one possession or less, which is remarkable when you think of it. And and blowouts have been rare. And OU had the two, I think, that are out there that you would consider blowouts. So, um, you know, it is a good question. I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how many teams can get bowl eligible in the Big 12 this year. I think really all 10 are probably capable, but it's going to take some teams you know, getting some wins that maybe you're not expecting. I think Iowa State's already played, already having played seven games is at a little bit of a disadvantage because they have to win three of their last five, which is no is no easy thing in the in the Big 12 this year. So yeah, I I guess I would say it's probably between West Virginia and Oklahoma, but it's it's hard to say. I mean, and and Oklahoma, you know, they they would say, well, we just beat Kansas, so surely we have to be ahead of them. So it's a, it is a tough question to answer because I do think there is much – it's much closer – the, the difference between 10 and 1 is much closer than I think we've ever seen it in the Big 12. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with that. So this weekend, Oklahoma State uh, plays Texas, obviously, a, a game that you'll be on. you also got K-State, TCU, two games that will decide or go a long way to deciding who's playing for a Big 12 title. When you look at this league right now, I mean, uh, these two games in particular this weekend, how do you like them shaking out? And, you know, what does that then mean for the Big 12 race going forward? Yeah, I think these, I mean, these are two games that are really going to be telling because it really looks like these four teams have kind of risen to the top of the league. So you've you've got obviously, um, you know, TCU on the road. You've got Texas on the road. After what I saw at Oklahoma State last week, my head sort of says pick Texas, 
But the history of this this uh, rivalry, the, this series between these two teams, has really heavily favored Oklahoma State in recent years. You know, if you if you want to say there's a team that has you know sort of supplanted Texas towards the top of the Big Twelve, you know, historically over the last decade, Oklahoma State would be that team. You know, they have they have played more games later in the season with a with a chance to go to the Big 12 title game over the last decade than Texas has by far. So, you know, that that's been uh, a real, you know, change in the league's hierarchy when you think about it. Um I like that Oklahoma State's at home. I think that could help them. So, I'll go with Oklahoma State with a slight edge uh against Texas. I think it's going to be a really good game. TCU at K-State, I think K-State has a fantastic chance to knock off TCU. Their defense is playing spectacularly. Uh, but I just – I like TCU right now. The momentum mm-hmm. the Horn Frogs have is really going to be tough to beat. You're going to have to – you're going to have to bring it. And K-State can. I don't think there's any doubt about that, you know, when you, when you think about their only loss being that two-lane game and how – you know, kind of cringy that is right now that this could be an undefeated matchup and potentially really catapulting one of these two teams into that conversation for, you know, college playoff berth. Uh, but I still like TCU. But again, I think, I think this is another game that I don't know why these two wouldn't both be one possession games. That's kind of become the norm in the league. And I'm going to go with TCU, but I think it is going to be super close up in Manhattan. It's going to be a great weekend of football. And uh, Jenny Carlson, Oklahoman, columnist there, is going to be all over it, especially the Oklahoma State-Texas matchup. Jenny, always great to have you on. Uh, Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. She's great. Jenny Carlson of the Oklahoman. I'm Pete Mundo. Hey, before you leave the show, rate, review, subscribe. It helps us grow the show every day. And that's why I've got a free Heartland College Sports koozie with your name on it. When you leave that rating and review and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. It's my way of saying thank you for taking a minute out of your day and leaving that rating and review and uh, subscribing to the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, We're sending those koozies out every single week. So I appreciate you guys doing that. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great day.